Oh, we have a busy Friday for the next couple of hours. Eric Lindros is on the show today. We will talk concussions. He has certainly been a big player in not just the hockey world, but in what is happening with concussions, concussion research, and certainly support and awareness. He's on the show today. We're going to talk with London Mayor Ed Holder. He is on the show today. Thames Center Mayor Allison Warwick is going to join us because starting about seven minutes ago, a major send-off for one of the most consistent and decorated national teams that we have. Canada's wheelchair rugby team is off to the Parapan Games in Peru. And they are leaving today, so a big send-off has just kicked off, and we'll check in on that send-off and talk about a couple of athletes in just a few minutes with Thames Centre Mayor Allison Warwick. We are also going to look at a pilot project for first responders that is kicking off, and first responders are being asked to take part in this. If you think about your life... How many times do you think you've been in a situation where you have seen something that's going to stick with you, where you have seen something traumatic? The average? One time. One time. And we're not talking about a traumatic moment in life. We're talking about you happening on the scene of a crash, or perhaps you've been involved in the tragedy that has been the explosion in London. That kind of thing. How many times do you think you've been in a traumatic emergency type situation? One time. If you are a first responder, obviously that number is going to grow. How big do you think the number gets? 30? 50? 75? Try 600. 600. And so there is a pilot project dealing with some of the post-traumatic stress that can come out of being a first responder. And we know very well in this community about the I've Got Your Back 911 initiative that was started years ago. And again, it aimed to bring awareness. Now, there is a type of yoga And it's not the yoga that is going to ask you to do downward dog or warrior pose. Or is there a warrior pose too? Am I wrong to think that? Is that just the other side? I don't know yoga. I've done some yoga, but I haven't memorized what we're doing. I'm usually just watching the person at the front saying, is my leg going the right direction? Should I be feeling it in my back? So whatever it is, forget the moves. This isn't about moves. This is actually... Yoga and a technique that is completely internal. And so we'll find out about it. And they're actually looking for participants in this pilot project and what will eventually become a study. So we'll talk about that in about an hour from now. And we're also going to look at diabetes, type 1 diabetes, because there was an incident in London that took place not too long ago. And it really brought awareness to the fact that if you happen upon somebody who is in distress and that distress is being brought on because of complications due to diabetes, it is tough to recognize what's going on. If you know what's going on, you can probably help right away. But knowing is very difficult. So there are plans being set out now that 
are helpful, and we'll talk about that. And then we will also take you to a conversation that we had with Mark Woolley. If you think about Eric Lindros as a career National Hockey Leaguer, which he was, Mark Woolley is a guy from this area who could have an NHL career very soon. He plays for the Owen Sound Attack in the Ontario Hockey League, and he is a type 1 diabetic, and his brother is a type 1 diabetic, and he's going to share a couple of stories that kind of allow us to see what happens, where everything's going along fine, and then you wake up in the hospital, and you have no recollection of how you got from where you were and what you were doing to being in that hospital bed. So, very busy show as well. If we do get any further updates on general dynamics, number one, or on basically what we're we're looking at in terms of the investigation that is going on. We have had people allowed back into their homes following the explosion that took place on Wednesday night. And so that at least has been good news for some, not necessarily great news for others. We started off the show yesterday talking with Chris Patterson. And if you missed the conversation, I would encourage you to go back to our podcast, which you can find at 980cfpl.ca, and just listen to that conversation. It's right off the start of the show, because Chris painted a picture like no picture anyone is ready to experience. And his home may not be one that you can go back into. They're still trying to determine that. But Chris had essentially, I'll just tell you a little bit of the story. Chris had basically been sitting around with his girlfriend. He had just finished work. They were with another friend. They're having a glass of wine. It's just before 10 o'clock at night. Something most of us have done. And then they hear a thud. And they go outside, and that thud is actually a vehicle going into their neighbor's house. They knew their neighbor was not home. So that at least is a real positive in all of this, because what happened next, you're probably well-versed in it by now. You've heard it a lot. Chris and other neighbors were able to get an unconscious woman out of the vehicle that had driven into the home. They got her away from that particular scene, and then first responders arrived. Chris and all of the other neighbors were told to get away from the area. They could smell natural gas. We asked Chris, could you smell natural gas when you were trying to pull this unconscious woman from her vehicle? And he said yes, and yet they still hung in there, and they did it. And a very few short minutes later, there was an explosion, which leveled that house, has damaged a lot of other homes. And Chris, for one, had run out of the house. It's, it's like you, if you hear a, a loud noise and you just go outside to see what that is, sometimes you don't even put on your shoes. You're not hearing a loud noise and thinking, well, just a second. I never know what this noise is going to be. I better grab my wallet and my passport and my phone and I better get a few keepsakes. He wasn't thinking that. He went out to see if he could help. And then he did help. And... Now, he's someone who is still trying to make his way through his day without things like your wallet and your phone or anything else. So, we will update you on any part of that story that does come in, but basically what we do know is that of the more than 100 homes that were evacuated, all but 10 
have been cleared for reentry. A lot of people were able to return home last night. It's been a lot of progress. And in about uh, 45 minutes from now, 50 minutes from right now, we will get a further update from London Mayor Ed Holder. We can't start Friday without saying hello to Marilyn, though. Marilyn, I kind of like our routine here. Well, yes, I guess so, dear, and I hope I'm not being a pest. Well, how could you be being a pest? Well, by phoning you about the uh, you know, all the time. Well, you're you're not asking me to go and buy you milk or anything. You're <laughs> you're offering up great insight, great wisdom. Well, I don't know whether great wisdom or not. I pray for wisdom, but now whether whether I'm wise or not, that's for other people to judge. But anyways, dear, uh, two things. The first thing is uh, something that traumatized me terribly when I was a little girl of about seven years old in grade two. A neighborhood boy of our, uh, you know, living in the neighborhood was taking a shortcut to school with his brothers. And he got his foot caught in the railroad track and 48 freight trains went over his legs and that was mm. it. Oh, my. It was terrible, just terrible. And the police went to his mother's house and told her, and she collapsed, which is natural. You know, I mean, oh, I I don't know how you could take something like that. But down the road, he got, is that prosthetic? prosthetic Yeah, prosthetics. The Knights of Columbus um, uh, gave them to him. And Bobby Gay, whose leg was also, also taken off by, a, a, if this was a, a Port Stanley train, LMPS train, he lost his leg. He, he taught Bernie how to walk. Marilyn, once again, you've provided us with an amazing story. Well, Thank well, you for doing that. Honey, I've got another one for you. It's not going to take two seconds. Anyways, about diabetes... This young man will have to take very good care of himself because type 1 diabetes is what my husband said. I thought it was type 2, but oh no, it was type 1. And you're open, you're vulnerable to anything that comes along. Absolutely. Well, you know what? He's in very good hands, and he is actually starting an initiative to help other people with type 1 diabetes. It's called Woolies Warriors. So we'll hear more about that a little later on. Marilyn, you have yourself a great weekend. You too, and Kyla, um, is it Kyla? Kylie. Kylie, Jack, and Krista, and you take, you're going to um, up to Plunkett's? Yeah, well, I, I, yes, I will, Marilyn. And like I said a little while ago, if I should look across, because Marilyn's pointing out that Palooza is this weekend, if I should look across the field at the Plunkett Estate, and if I should lock eyes with a, a 12-year-old beagle in need of a home, yeah, I think we'll get a dog. Other than that, I can't promise, but we'll talk on, on Monday or Tuesday, yeah, okay? Give Monday if you're around, <laughs> if you're not at a ball game or anything. All right. Uh, Actually, Marilyn, Monday I won't. Jess Brady, I think, will be here on Monday. So I'll make sure and let her know. Marilyn, well, you have a great weekend. You too, dear. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, Friday's underway. Again, Eric Lindros on the show today. London Mayor Ed Holder, Mark Woolley will be on the show. Lots to come. We'll come back in a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFBL.
Marilyn mentioned Palooza. That's on the Plunkett Estate this weekend. You know what else is happening this weekend? You may not know about this. You know what Sunday is? Sunday just happens to be Fajita Sunday. I didn't know this. August the, what will it be? 17th? August 17th or 18th? It'll be the 18th. August 18th. It is Fajita Sunday. Thanks to our good friends from Lone Star. They are feeding all of us here at Chorus Radio London today with amazing fajitas. They do peppers and onions better than anybody in a fajita. I, I will they'll challenge you to find somebody who does the peppers and onions for the fajita better than they do it. Amazing. Great salsa, too. So thank you very much to them. We want to wish best of luck to the Canadian wheelchair rugby team. We mentioned just about 20 minutes ago now. They started a send-off because you may not know this, but Canada's wheelchair rugby team, they just happen to train here in this area. You've probably been in the building that they train in. Now, it isn't Budweiser Gardens, but they wind up training for whatever competitions are coming at the Flight Exec Center in Thames Center. And so they are leaving for the 2019 Parapan Games in Peru, and they go in as the defending champions. If you go back through the last 20 international competitions in wheelchair rugby, Canada has finished first, second, or third 12 times. That's pretty amazing. Now, if you go back, wheelchair rugby, in a way, got going in Canada. The first international competition was actually held in Toronto in 1989, and three countries were a part of it. Canada, Great Britain, and the United States. And now you've got 28 countries participating around the world. So let's head to the send-off. Will we hear horns? I'm not sure. What constitutes a send-off when you're off to Peru? Allison Warwick will let us know. Allison is the mayor of Thames Center. Mayor Warwick, thank you so much for being with us on London Live. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. We've just finished um, talking to the athletes and wishing them a happy send-off with our MP, Karen Vecchio. We've got the athletes all here and their coaching staff here at the Flight Exec Centre in Dorchester today. Hey, fantastic. Everybody's smiling. The the send-off of an event is always the fun part. Oh, absolutely. But I think coming home with the gold is going to be a fun part, too. And, Mike, hey, I have actually Dave Wilsey right beside me, and I also have Madison Wilson-Walker beside me. She's the athlete I was telling you about from Temp Center as well that's going uh, for the first time to our Pan Am Games. That's amazing. Can we speak with each of them? Yes, one second. All right. Hey, Mike, it's Dave. Dave, how you you been? We haven't talked in a while. No, it's been a while. Too long. How you been? Well, not as as well as you've been. You guys go into this as the defending champs. You ready? I think so. A little pressure is never a bad thing. When you look at the makeup of the team, how different is this one from the last one at the Parapan Games? Uh, Very different. Um, We did a full, uh, pretty much a full rebuild after the uh, Rio Games. And uh, so it's been a long two and a half years, but we're back up on top where we belong. Very nice. Very nice. Now, for anybody who has not experienced wheelchair rugby, and it's something that you really have to see in person so that you can also hear in person, can you give us kind of an idea of even how the sport has evolved since you started in it? Uh, very much so. Uh, I started, uh, you know, the chairs uh, were a little modified from your everyday chair, and now it's. Uh, it's a full Mad Max uh, machine. It's a full contact sport. Uh, it's actually called Murder Ball, and uh, 
we try to live up to that name. <laughs> okay, now who gets to call it murder ball? Do you have to be playing it to do that? No, no. Uh, the more the merrier. So everybody's allowed. <laughs> who are the going into something like the Parapan Games? Who are the biggest challengers that you will face? Well, as far as top ranked in the world, uh, it's us in the U.S. So uh, it's always uh, we'll play once in the round robin, and then uh, all things line up, we should meet in the gold medal match. Hey, fantastic. Well, best of luck. Keep doing what you guys have been doing for so long. The other thing that if you look down the roster, you've got truly people from coast to coast on this team getting together in Dorchester, Ontario. How often do you get to do that? Well, um, we, we have a team uh, training camp. It works out to about, uh, we have about 10 a year. And so we get together that, that many times. And uh, we like coming here. We were just here uh, last month as well. So hopefully a lot more often in the future. Well, Dave, again, best of luck. Go get another medal for your collection and another medal for Canada's collection. Can we talk with Madison for just a minute? Yes, it's right here. Hey, Madison. Hi. Madison, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. You are going into competition to take part in the 100 meter, the long jump. Uh, how's training been going for you? Uh, it's been going really well. Um, I was doing pretty decent this summer, and then uh, I ended up jumping the world record for long jump at a, me- a few weeks ago. So pretty excited. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, you're someone that anyone who has followed high school sports recently has been able to see you compete at the high school level. What about getting to the level where you are right now? What changes for you? Um, You know, just training gets a lot more intense. Um, you have to take care of a lot of the little things, you know, like nutrition and sleep and treatment and getting recovered and stuff. So focusing on that helps a lot too. Um, and yeah, just having fun. What is it like to go in now as a world record holder? Does that change how you feel about long jump? Um, you know, I don't think it's really hit me quite yet. Um, when I tell people, they're like, why are you so relaxed about it? Like, I, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I feel the same. Uh, the goal is, I mean, to jump personal best, hopefully break the record again. Uh, and yeah, just have fun. Now, in terms of long jump and 100 meter, which one comes first? Is your schedule favorable for you? Oh, yes. I have long jump first, and then I have the 100 the next day. Okay. All right. And that's okay? You don't you don't want a couple days in between or anything like that? No, no. That's perfect. Per- and what makes that perfect? Um, I don't know. I think being able to do long jump first is good because then I'm not going to waste any energy on the run um, the day before or anything. Um, and then I also get my legs uh, pretty warmed up and loosened up for the 100 the next day. So it's good that it lines up like that. Madison Wilson-Walker off to the Parapan Games in Peru. Traveling the world now is something that you're going to have to get used to. What's it like knowing you're getting on a plane to Peru? Uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, and hopefully I can do it again for the world and maybe Tokyo next summer. All right, I love that attitude. Madison, best of luck. Go and break that world record and uh, and come home with as many medals as you can. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Madison Wilson-Walker, and we are also talking with Dave Wilsey and also the mayor of Thames Center, Allison Warwick. Uh, mayor Warwick, thank you so much for letting us know everything that has been going on right now at the Flight Exec Center in Dorchester. Thank you. It's always exciting to have these athletes here, and it's just so much fun 
seen them all working and training out of this great facility. Outstanding. Well, keep that facility uh, flying because it's uh, it's been a fantastic addition to the area since it opened. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. That is Thames Center Mayor Allison Warwick, along with Madison Wilson-Walker and Dave Wilsey of Canada's wheelchair rugby team. Both Dave and his team and Allison off to the Parapan Games in Peru. We are off to break. Up next, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that happened later on yesterday. Logan Couture had his all-in for brain research charity casino event at Centennial Hall last night. It was a fantastic success. And we had a chance to talk with Eric Lindros about concussions. And he pointed out something that I don't think many of us equate with concussions, even though we might either know someone or be someone who has suffered a concussion that is not aligned in any way with sports. Eric will get into that, and we'll also meet Stacy Ness. Stacy was at the event last night. Stacy's not from London, not from Dorchester, not from Woodstock, a little further away than Woodstock. What, like Aurora? Like San Jose. And we'll talk about what brought Stacy and her boyfriend to London, Ontario last night. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. In 30 minutes from now, London Mayor Ed Holder will join us. We'll talk about two things. General Dynamics and... The explosion from Wednesday. So that's coming up 30 minutes from now. London Mayor Ed Holder. We have an opportunity to take you back in time just very quickly. Yesterday, Logan Couture held his charity casino event, and it was announced that monies raised are going to be helping out in London and also in Kitchener-Waterloo, where they've started doing similar events, helping with not just concussion research, but also concussion awareness. When a young person suffers a concussion, how to know they've done that, what to do once that has happened. And so this is an initiative that, again, we're just we're learning about day after day. Talk to any doctor who's involved in concussion research and they'll tell you, OK, we can talk right now and I'll tell you what I know. But give me a call in three days. I'll know more. That's kind of the way that things are going. And you know that somebody can whack their head off the ground, get up, and be absolutely fine. And then maybe somebody else opens a locker door in high school, bangs the person beside them in the head, and they suffer a concussion. There is no real rhyme or reason. You can't say, well, a blow to the head that's like this is going to result in this. That just doesn't happen. So. Research, that's big. Awareness, that's big. Helping to understand what is happening. It's not like you have a cut on your arm and you can watch and see, okay, well, yeah, I got got a scab. Pull off the Band-Aid. Yeah, uh, scab's starting to go away. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Not even going to leave a scar. You can't see that progression inside your head. And so having the chance to talk about this, having the chance to thanks to Logan Couture and others, raise money for this, has been fantastic in this community. If you didn't hear Logan Couture talking about why he initially started to raise money and awareness 
for this? Well, let's just take you back very quickly before we actually go into a conversation with Eric Lindros, who has been so involved in concussion awareness. Here is Logan Couture from yesterday on London Live. Being an athlete, and, uh, you know, this modern day, there's a lot of head injuries that, that occur. Uh, you know, and I, I've seen up close what uh, what can happen to players going through it. Um, you know, even as a as a younger player before I played in the NHL, I suffered a few concussions, and um, you, you don't know. It's it's a big mystery. Uh, so, you know, try to put money towards research and um, you know helping younger kids and their parents to uh, to really learn about head injuries and, and try and prevent them and, and recovering from them. Finally, when you're a professional athlete, do you allow yourself to think about the potential of a concussion, or do you try not to think about that? No, you, you can't think about injuries uh, as a player. If you go into games thinking that you're you're possibly getting hurt, that's, that's when it happens. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, with the contact sport that we play in the NHL and the speed and and the size of players, injuries happen. They happen pretty often. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're lucky we have some tremendous doctors and our trainers that uh, that know know what they're doing. Um, so I, I'm more so worried about the, the younger kids that that don't have the uh, the same resources that that we have in the NHL. And that's a lot of now what the money raised from Logan's fundraisers that are happening in Kitchener, happening in London, may even see some in other communities very soon. Thanks to Jeff Fisher, who has been the chair and the co-founder. He has been able to raise money, and now it does go into those resources, getting that information across. We'll come back and let you hear a little bit from Eric Lindros, who was in town last night, sure, for Logan Couture's event, but he was also in London for See the Line, which is a concussion symposium that happens yearly at Western University. And Eric Lindros has been instrumental in helping to get the word out on concussions. And you'll hear something very interesting from Eric Lindros because I tried to keep it about athletes and he stopped me pretty quickly. You'll hear that next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. There was an awful lot of discussion about concussions yesterday in London with See the Line and then with All In for Brain Research courtesy of Logan Couture last night. Eric Lindros was a part of both events, and we had a chance to sit down with Eric yesterday and ask him what he has seen in the form of changes since becoming a part of See the Line and becoming a part of other initiatives. Well, I see a, a few things. I see uh, awareness has picked up, obviously. We've got, uh, we've got a concussion law now that's implemented in Toronto, and, and, or sorry, Ontario. And will be uh, fully implemented uh, next year, July 1st. Um, I see people looking out for one another. I see I see parents looking out not just for their kids, but for other kids. I see coaches and trainers being prepared. Um, we're going to hit the school or the, the school system and teach within the school system. Uh, we're going to touch on that. Uh, we're going to work from the from the bottom up and and really get uh, get people uh, up to date on where, where we stand with concussion. And then, you know, on the other side, we want we need some research. We need we need uh, we need some new things to talk about. We need some new ideas, some new strategies. Uh, we need some results, and uh, we're we're pushing on the research side as well. 
sometimes things have to come out of either tragic events, Rowan's Law, or ends of careers, things like that. What's it like to talk to people who have gone through some of the things you've gone through or, or some of the people who are examples of, of what's now going to move this forward? Well, I, I would make, I might change that a little bit and say that, you know, we keep talking about sport, but most concussions occur outside of sport. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem that we're seeing uh, in everyday life with car accidents, bike accidents, slip and falls, uh, you know, playground activities, so on and so forth. It affects just not the person that, that the concussion is, uh, who sustains the concussion, but the entire family and, 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 and getting people back to school, getting people back to work, getting, back, getting people back to feeling healthy. Um, it's a ripple effect. So it's a big thing to tackle, but I think we're, we're doing better with, with our awareness of it. Uh, I just wish we had a, a few more tools along the way here that we could pinpoint to and say this will work for you. Where do you think those tools need to come from? Well, they're going to come from research. But research takes, you know, it's, it's taking its, its, its time. I just wish it wouldn't take as much time. And maybe there's some better ways and, and, and different ideas about how research can be done. And, and uh, you know, we start running research more as a business than, uh, uh, than maybe the situation right now. I, I mean, I'm not a, a researcher. I don't know enough about it. But um, we need research. But we need results quick. And even if research comes up with a situation that didn't pan out exactly the way you thought it would, it would be shelved and people can learn from it. The quicker we get that, uh, that information out and, and shared with, uh, with other researchers, the better. Everyone can build off each other's, uh, other's work. Eric, thanks for the time. Pleasure. Eric Lindros, in town yesterday at See the Line and also at All In for Brain Research, Logan Couture's charity casino event. And... You probably caught it. If you didn't, I want to take a second and talk about it. When we hear concussions, we think what? Sports. Yeah. Well, don't want my kid to play football because concussions. What about hockey? Watch out because concussions. You know, don't go thinking like that. I want to take a second and and give the LMFA credit, minor hockey in London and the the teaching that goes on, how to hit properly, how to be hit properly. It's not something that you should be worrying about. And you heard Eric say, look, most concussions occur outside of sports. We're talking about people falling off their bike, maybe not wearing a bike helmet. We're talking about people slipping and falling on icy sidewalks, icy streets, just simply tripping. This happens. Car crashes, most concussions occur outside of sports, and they can be absolutely life-altering for a long period of time. And we now know, because there is more research and more attention paid, that at times it's not just about healing the physical part of it. You get other side effects, too. Anxiety comes in because you've had to remove yourself from the world for so long, and that can be a real concern for young people. So, again, that goes to that Awareness that goes to the resources that events like last night in London will provide. And the more information, the more education that we can spread, the better. So thanks to everybody who was involved last night. There were a couple of people involved last night who were there at the charity casino event at Centennial Hall. 
who were from San Jose. We're going to get a chance to talk with one of them next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Email from Matt saying, can you elaborate on Rowan's Law? I know I've heard it, but don't know much about it. That's at Mike at 980CFPL.ca. Matt, it goes into effect, and I've just I've called it up so that I can be as accurate as possible, but it says, A sport organization shall not register an individual who is under the prescribed age in a sports activity unless the individual gives the sport organization confirmation that they have within 12 months before the registration or within such other period as may be prescribed, reviewed the concussion awareness resources. And the other thing that it really aims to do is if the individual is under 18 years of age, their parent or guardian must also give the sport organization confirmation that they have reviewed everything. And then it goes on from there. So, so that we have basically legalized awareness so that you must be aware of, of everything that, can be provided to you by a sport organization. So that's very good. Also want to point out, we'll talk with London Mayor Ed Holder about the announcement that came down today that there would be a purchase of 360 light armored vehicles from General Dynamics to support Canadian Armed Forces. This is one that we're going to have to sit back and dissect because it's election time and the liberals gave some money to Toronto police and now they're making a purchase dealing with a a pretty a pretty difficult agreement that is is playing out between Canada and Saudi Arabia of course and so now that the purchase is there we're also going to hear from London North Centre MP uh, Peter Fragiscatos, he will join us. And so that's coming up within the next 40 minutes. So we'll get thoughts from both of them and we'll ask that question. I mean, how how much of this is politicking? Because I'm afraid that's what it is. I don't want to see that. You want to see long-term stuff. And in my mind, anytime governments start handing out money, it's right before the big-time campaign begins, I feel leery. Oh, so leery. So before we get to that, last night we had an opportunity to meet and talk with Stacy Ness, who was in town from San Jose in London attending Logan Couture's event. And Stacy joins us on the phone to talk a little San Jose and, and how she got from there to here. Uh, Stacy, great to meet you last night. Jeff Fun? Stacy, you were at Logan Couture's charity casino event last night with Matt. Did you have fun? Oh, we had a blast last night. It was so much fun. Now, you aren't from London. You are from San Jose. So so you've got to tell us, how did you get to Logan Couture's charity casino event in London, Ontario? So uh, the San Jose Sharks every year have a Sampling with the Sharks um, fundraiser, and they auction off items, and one of the auction items was Logan Couture's Casino Night. So I bid on it, and I got the winning bid, and that uh, sent me and a a guest to uh, London, Ontario for uh, his casino night. It was a great uh, event for charity, and, you know, the money all went to the concussion research, which was awesome. Okay, you can be honest with us, because we can take it. 
when you saw London, Ontario, did you know where London, Ontario was when you were writing down your bid? I knew it was near Toronto, but I didn't know how far from Toronto. Okay, well, that's not bad. That's not bad. And so you board a flight, and you guys are off to London, and you arrive. Take us through what you've done so far. Yeah, so um, we actually arrived in Detroit at 5 a.m. on Wednesday, uh, taking a red eye, and then um, we drove across the border, got into London, um, and then around 11 a.m., Logan's business manager told us that uh, Logan and Drew Doughty and Dylan DeMarillo were playing the scrimmage game over at the practice center and invited us out to come watch the guys play and meet Logan afterwards and have a talk with him. So we did. And then after that, his business manager took us to lunch. And then yesterday we spent some time in downtown London, kind of checking out the city and having some lunch before the event. Hey, very nice. We're talking with Stacy Ness, who is in London from San Jose. So you've got to tell us, because a lot of us will never live in San Jose, what is it like to live there? San Jose is a very large city, um, but it kind of gets forgotten about because of San Francisco and Oakland being <clears throat> so close by. But one of the things that does put on the us on the map is the San Jose Sharks, and that's uh, why we get so excited about the team. <laughs> How long have you been Sharks fans? I've been a Sharks fan for about 20 years now, and my boyfriend Matt has probably about the last six or seven years been a fan. So you brought him into the fold? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, his uncle, who's like 70 years old, plays on the beer league in Seattle. So he is quite familiar with the game. <laughs> that is great. Well, uh, the Sharks have provided you with a whole lot of excitement. Not quite a Stanley Cup yet, but but there's still hope, right? Hey, there is always hope. <laughs> it's great to have you in London. Stacy. enjoy your time here. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Absolutely, and thanks for um, interviewing us. We uh, really do enjoy the city of London, and the people here have been so welcoming, so... Thanks, everyone, for um, making us feel at home here. You are very welcome. Stay as long as you want. But I I will warn you, in about three months, it could snow. Oh, you know, things like that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Not in San Jose, I imagine. Last year, believe it or not, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> well, we not get it. Much, not like you get here, though. <laughs> yeah, we get it, and it stays. So, uh, yeah, feel free to stay as long as you want, but I'll, I'll leave you with that warning. Stacy, have a great time when you're here. Yeah, thanks a lot. Stacy Ness from San Jose in town, taking part in last night's event at Centennial Hall. We have a lot still to come. You can go right now to our website at 980cfpl.ca and you can read details on general dynamics and news for them coming from the liberal government. And that is that we're going to see the purchase of 360 light armored vehicles. And this is for the Canadian military. And this is this is very good news, I think. It sounds good. But at the same time, we're really close to an election. And this is one of those issues that people could point back to and say, hey, what's going to happen? What's going to happen between Canada and Saudi Arabia? We need to know that. Well, how does this kind of fall in? We're going to get two perspectives on it. One, 
Coming from London Mayor Ed Holder, the other coming from London North Centre MP Peter Franciscatos. Both will be up on London Live over the next 30 minutes. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. What a couple of days in London, Ontario. There is still a lot of investigation being done, a lot of work being done following the explosion on Wednesday night that has certainly become national and even international news. And now we have an announcement regarding, in a way, jobs at General Dynamics. And let's face it, we've got 1,650 jobs at General Dynamics that are affected by this announcement. And the announcement says that we've got 360 light armored vehicles that are going to be purchased from General Dynamics. They are to replace outdated Canadian Armed Forces vehicles. And this is in the budget. And this doesn't come across as election pandering, but you still have to wonder that. We'll talk with both of our next guests about that topic. I don't know if either one's going to want to really weigh in too deeply on it, but coming up in the next half hour, London North Centre MP Peter Franciscanos and also London Mayor Ed Holder. And we will also go over some of what has happened with Mayor Holder regarding the explosion and the aftermath. Still to come in just over a half hour from now, we are going to be talking about type 1 diabetes. There was a story from London, Ontario, involving someone from London and the fact that they experienced a pretty scary scenario. And we'll talk about what that scenario was and how... We can maybe plan for it, even as people who aren't directly affected by someone with type 1 diabetes. And then we'll take you to a conversation that you're going to hear on this year's run of Around the OHL, which is getting set to return. Uh, We're very close to our first episode for the 2019-2020 season. This is a podcast that deals with the Ontario Hockey League, comes out weekly, and this is a conversation that we were able to have this summer, and you'll hear it on a very early edition of Around the OHL, but I want to play just a little bit of it since we are talking about diabetes because it focuses in on something that is being created by Mark Woolley, who is from the St. Thomas area, and now plays for the Owen Sound Attack. And he's got something going called Woolies Warriors. And so we will find out what he plans to do and where this stems from, because it stems from a couple of very personal connections for Mark Woolley. One, his own, and two, his brother's. And so that's coming up a little later on this hour. Again, Palooza taking place this weekend. Get out and enjoy what should be a pretty decent weekend. I think the humidity's coming back, what, for one final time? See, we start thinking that way. Because when we start mentioning hockey-related stuff, yeah, that's around the corner. We've got Junior B camp starting up. We have the London Knights about to unveil their new uniform. And from there, their training camp will get going essentially a week from Monday. You can go down and watch some of the skates. And don't forget that on Wednesday, the 28th, 
So Wednesday, August 28th, there will be a green and gold game, and this is being done like never before because they'll have it at 6 p.m., and it's free, and anybody can head there. So even though we're starting to talk about hockey, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the final days of humidity. We'll have to ask John Wilson that question. Right now, though, we get to speak with London Mayor Ed Holder. And Mayor Holder, I want to thank you so much for joining us on London Live. How's your Friday going so far? Uh, busy day, uh, especially today, uh, Mike, but, uh, but these are things that are important to the city, uh, and so we're doing what we all need to do. I'm only one of a whole team that's getting things uh, in some kind of uh, shape for the folks out in Old East Village. What a, what a time it's been, and uh, I'll tell you, these... Uh, these folks are troopers. Boy, you have connections across this country. Has anybody dropped you a note saying, this reminds me of what happened in our community back in 83? Have you had anything like that? Oh, sure. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, I just had a uh, a really thoughtful chat <coughs> Excuse me, uh, yesterday with the mayor of Mississauga, Bonnie Crombie, and uh, Bonnie and I knew each other through political days in Ottawa, but she, as you know, when Mississauga went through its uh, very significant uh, train derailment, some of the things associated with the chemicals and the impact it had on residents, and and so she was commiserating and uh, really wished London well, offered their emergency services up to us in any sense if we could use them. There was a tremendous generosity of spirit through that phone call. Boy, we talk about the generosity we've heard from businesses and people here in London. You're getting that from outside London? Have you had other offers like that? Absolutely. Uh, Friends from Saskatchewan, uh, Toronto, I've mentioned Mississauga to you, and from the East Coast. Uh, Just people that know London have great regard for it. Look, this is a national story, and uh, and, and so, and, and there's a genuine empathy and concern uh, for London uh, from people all across the country. And would this be at a government uh, level? Is this at a government Uh, level in Saskatchewan and and out east as well? uh, Government level, yes. uh, Personal uh, business level in uh, the east coast and uh, and in Toronto, both business and uh, political. We're talking with London Mayor Ed Holder, and we're going to be talking about 360 light-armored vehicles and an announcement from the Liberal government today that directly involves General Dynamics and sustaining 1,650 jobs. But just while we are on the topic, what do you have to say about inside the borders of London following the explosion on Wednesday and and what you've seen in the aftermath? Well, now that we're dealing some... uh 40 hours, uh, almost 40 hours later, uh, the thing that struck me uh, in terms of how how significant the response was, there's probably a few takeaways from this. The incredible response we had uh, from first responders so immediately after after the impact between the car and and, uh, the initial home, and it was that incredible response that saved lives. We could be having a very different discussion today were it not for that phenomenal response that uh, that they had. That's certainly one takeaway. The second I have to tell you is the incredible resilience and spirit of old east uh, uh, old east uh, villagers. They just are phenomenal. What they you know in terms of it's an indomitable spirit. You know what they did? They they really I think inspired Londoners. So you talk about the generosity of others, and it's all true. 
but generosity of, of folks just from Old East uh, Village to help each other, and then Londoners uh, surrounding, putting their arms around Old East Village and say we're here to help. And you saw it through financial donations, food donations, uh, uh, donations of clothing, and uh, and and the like, and whatever people need. Uh, you know, Londoners stood tall. That would be a, a second takeaway I have. And, and and I think ultimately, as I think about all this, uh, the we talk about our first responders, but I don't know if you've ever seen the um, the our emergency uh, response center in action. I've been down there a few times just to get the theory of how it works. But when you see all of the major organizations in London coming together, and we've got tremendous leadership that just uh, gets people uh, in the right uh, path and the constant discussion back and forth and sharing of ideas to make sure that in one of the toughest situations I can imagine Londoners go through, that there's some order uh, out of chaos. And uh, and and I was so I've been so impressed. So uh, I've been there most of the time. I was at uh, GDLS. I popped in and. And left right after the announcement uh, uh, to uh, deal with the uh, the this aftermath, as you've mentioned. But you'd you'd be blown away by how incredibly poised and organized and and caring uh, the leadership team is from the city and from the different uh, uh, groups and organizations that work through them uh, uh, whenever there's an emergency. And it was uh, it was uh, poetry. I mean, what they did was incredible. We're talking with London Mayor Ed Holder. Mayor Holder, we had an announcement then come today dealing with 360 light armored vehicles that would be purchased from General Dynamics by the federal government. And in in that way, it sounds like a very positive announcement. I want to call on your experience in federal government and heading into an election time. How do you see this announcement? Is it completely positive or, or do we we read something into it? Oh, I, I'm not prepared to read anything negative into it, that's for sure. Uh, look, uh, I've done the math on this, and it looks to be close to uh, a value of close to $2 billion of uh, a federal commitment. Uh, it's a sole source contract, which means they pick General Dynamics Land Systems Canada for the lab, uh, for the labs they are looking for, the light armored vehicles they're looking to be built uh, for Canadian defense. Uh, I don't think there's any negative in this at all. It sustains employment, as you rightly pointed out. And uh, and uh, it doesn't matter to me whether it's announced just before an election or or just after or anywhere in between. Uh, this is was an important statement. Uh, I mean, the announcement is today, but I can tell you the work associated with this uh, would have been going on for some time uh, before we got to this stage. So I think it's great news for for London. I think it's great news for the workers and their families from GDLS Canada. Uh, all around, I think extremely positive and really focuses London once again as the Strategic Defense Center for Canada. How important is that? Well, we've got so many groups and organizations that work uh, in London and region. So just to name some that, that are in our strategic defense uh, sphere, uh, companies like Militex and Armatech and London Machinery, which is Oshkosh, uh, you look at uh, at companies that uh, feed into these uh, the, the in, into General Dynamics as well. Uh, some of the ones I mentioned, but you'll have tool and die shops. You'll have uh, various suppliers of General Dynamics, so they are a major uh, major employer in our community. And uh, I think as a result of this announcement, I see that being sustained for some years to come. We did hear that the deal, the Saudi arms deal, is, is still under review. Give us your thoughts on on that whole process. How closely do you follow that? 
Well, uh, extremely closely when I was a member of parliament and government at the time, uh, that the $15 billion contract, largest contract ever signed in the history of, uh, of Canadian business, that, uh, uh, it was it was going uh, extremely well, and uh, and at the same time, uh, export permits were uh, were being signed off by the then foreign affairs minister for the new government, and uh, and some issues, serious issues occurred that uh, and and some challenges uh, both through the Canadian government and the Saudi government in terms of various actions taken, and I'm not trying to to uh, make light of those at all. But an exceptionally important contract for Canada because uh, these uh, uh, this, uh, these military armaments are going to be built anyway, and uh, whether they're built in London, Ontario, Canada, or whether they're built in the states, you know, they're going to be built. So I was a strong believer that they needed to be built here. You'll know that when uh, I met with the Prime Minister in January, uh, I had uh, one uh, discussion source, and it was and 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 the only topic I discussed was GDLS Canada. And, and and I thought the prime minister was was thoughtful about it, and uh, and and concerned certainly for the workers of uh, of London, and that was important to me to hear that. And you notice that the rhetoric has just kind of died away since uh, uh, in 2019. You're not hearing it the same way. In fact, the first time I've heard it of any note since then has really been uh, today when the Canadian uh, LAV deal was 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 announced. So. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I can understand why they were asked, but this is, these both these deals are critically important to uh, to GDLS Canada, and uh, and certainly to the employees uh, who work there. Mayor Holder, it has been a very difficult week in the city. This is a very uh, difficult particular contract and and difficult time for some workers at General Dynamics. Thank you for your positivity on both counts. Well, can I just ask, add one final thing, and that is, can I can I just uh, remind Londoners that we still have uh, one individual in hospital, a firefighter who's in serious condition, and I would just ask that uh, people keep him uh, and his family uh, in their prayers. I mean, it just makes us appreciate firefighters, police, uh, EMS, and and the incredible work they do. But if they would just keep uh, that uh, that firefighter in their prayers uh, uh, and thoughts, uh, everything helps and everything matters. Thanks, Mayor Holder. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. That is London Mayor Ed Holder. We'll take a break. Up next, we will talk with London North Centre MP Peter Fragiscatos about today's announcement and the 360 light armoured vehicles ordered by the Canadian Armed Forces or for the Canadian Armed Forces to replace some outdated vehicles that would sustain 1,000 650 jobs, and Mayor Holder did outline a lot of the spinoff from that. And this has been a concern because of the review of the Saudi arms deal. So we'll talk with London North Centre MP Peter Fragiscatos next on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We have talked with London Mayor Ed Holder about the deal involving General Dynamics today. Let's get another voice on the story. London North Centre MP Peter Frangiscatos joins us right now. Mr. Frangiscatos, how's your Friday going? Mike, how are you? Friday is, is just great. Uh, all Fridays are good, but especially this one. 
Okay, let me preface something, so I'll ask the toughie first, okay? As an observer of politics, as someone who's never played the game, I get watching announcements like this, and I I keep seeing, well, the the federal election is coming, and this is one of those things that would just seem to build momentum going to the election. What can you tell me about the timing of this particular announcement that we're going to see 360 light-armored vehicles Bought through General Dynamics, bought from General Dynamics, replacing Canadian Armed Forces vehicles that are outdated. What what about that timing? Can you put my my mind at ease? I will, Mike. And there's uh, there's nothing wrong with being as, as a journalist uh, cynical or, or skeptical. It's your job to ask hard questions. But I can tell you that this is not uh, this is not related to the election. This issue has been worked on for a long time now. I can tell you I've been working on it and others have been working on it for the better part of a year, making sure that we can secure this work for General Dynamics. Yes, there is an uh, an election coming up in October, but we are focused, as we always have been, on the well-being of the business, of its workers in particular. And as I say, this is something that has been in the works for some time. When you look at making the announcement today, what do you believe this does for London? I think it is wonderful news for our community, not just for General Dynamics and their workforce, but let's keep in mind, and as you well know, Mike, there's a huge supply chain right here in London, local businesses serving General Dynamics, making everything from paints to parts for light armored vehicles, but also southwestern Ontario. We have a thriving defense sector in this city and in this region. At the, at the center of that defense sector is General Dynamics, but then there's this interconnected chain uh, throughout the city and region, and all of those businesses benefit when we make announcements like this. 360 light armored vehicles, Mike, was part of the government's strong, secure, and engaged defense policy. Those vehicles will be used in supporting roles, including domestic disaster response like floods or wildfires, uh, international mis- missions as well as we uh, fulfill our commitments to, uh, to allies and making sure that Canada is moving up to its commitments around international security, ambulances, command posts, recovery vehicles. Those are the basic uses where we'll see these, uh, these vehicles. We're talking with London North Centre MP Peter Fragiscatos. We're talking about 360 light armoured vehicles that are now going to be built by General Dynamics to replace outdated Canadian Armed Forces vehicles. It sustains 1,650 jobs, but as we talked with London Mayor Ed Holder, uh, Peter, this goes beyond that. This this goes into everybody who supplies General Dynamics, and, and there is such an outcropping in this community, isn't there? There's around 4,000 people once you take into account the local and regional supply chain, Mike. And so uh, I love this company. Uh, I have gone to bat for this company and will continue to do so. It, it really is a pillar of our economy, but the, the supply chain is equally important. And I'm really happy that you highlight it because I don't want that lost in, in all of this. Yes, General Dynamics matters. This announcement is excellent for, for the company it's, uh, and its employees. But uh, let's think about all the, the medium and small businesses that are also involved in, in procuring uh, these, uh, these, uh, the labs, the light armored, armored vehicles that are going to be put to use uh, in support of our efforts, in support of our men and women, and in support of uh, areas that are in need. We see climate change 
uh, all around us. It's it's not uh, something far off in the distance. It's happening right now, and that's led to increased flooding and wildfires. And General Dynamics vehicles have been have been in theater in places like Gatineau, Quebec, in places like Saskatchewan, uh, helping communities recover. And so what this does is it actually allows for that uh, to to continue, in addition to the international missions, uh, the, the fact that we do need ambulances in international theater command posts, recovery vehicles, all of these things. Uh, they're made at GD, but there's a lot of people uh, working together as part of the integrated supply chain to, uh, to put it all together. One last thing, and that is any information on the Saudi arms deal and any progress there? The contract continues to to be honored. Uh, there is there is no change there, and we are always monitoring the situation closely to ensure that our obligations with respect to human rights and our obligations to work to workers are being fulfilled. We have to maintain a focus on human rights, but we'll never lose sight of the fact that the local economy matters here in London a great a great deal to say the least. Uh, we are focused on the well-being of the of the workforce at GDLS. And so, yes, the, the contract continues to be honored. Mr. Frangiscatos, have yourself a great weekend. You take care, Mike. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. London North Centre MP Peter Frangiscatos joining us on London Live. We'll break for news. And then we're going to talk about type 1 diabetes in two ways. One, outlining something that is being created and could be a big help, and then outlining something else that is being created and could be a big help. All to close out London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. In the fairness of trying to present as much information as we possibly can, and we're always trying to do that on this show, We do have a release following the liberal announcement of the purchase of 360 light armored vehicles from General Dynamics to replace outdated Canadian Armed Forces vehicles. London Mayor Ed Holder used the figure $2 billion. We heard London North Centre MP Peter Fragiscatos use 4,000 jobs. There are the 1,650 directly sustained at General Dynamics, and then you have the offshoot, so an effect of about 4,000 jobs. But we have had a statement released from London Fanshawe NDP candidate Lindsay Matheson, and Lindsay says the following, I support equipping our Canadian forces with the very best Canada has to offer, but why do the Liberals wait so long and only decide to listen to New Democrats just 66 days before Election Day? I wouldn't blame Canadians for being skeptical about this decision. And if you missed it, we did ask London North Centre MP Peter Fragiscatos that question, and he said, look, you know, it's it's fine for people to ask that, but he said they have been working on this particular deal for a long time and a lot of people have been working on it this is just when it comes out so that was his response we have seen the liberals also give money to dairy farmers today so you know you can take it for what it is i mean this this election campaign doesn't have much to it right now it really doesn't and that's probably up to jagmeet singh and andrew Shear to change and whether that happens i don't know you know, I I still I look at leadership and I don't believe that it's there among any of the three. 
Just that true leader. Someone, and you know that leader, and, and I'll throw it back to sports for a second. When you have a good captain, and they don't even have to wear the C, when you have a good captain, you know it. You would follow that person anywhere. Even a leader on a team, a veteran leader. You would follow that person. You know that what they are doing is in the best interest of everyone. I don't feel leadership from any of the three candidates. Not like that. That's our biggest problem in Canada right now. Let's take a break. Up next, we will talk about type 1 diabetes. We're going to talk with the manager of the Hypoglycemia Research Program at Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry. And we're also going to talk with an OHLer, Mark Woolley, who has started Woolley's Warriors. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Type 1 diabetes is not an easy thing to deal with because there's a lot of silent components to it. And not long ago, we had someone in London, Shane McVitie, who was out cycling, beautiful summer day, felt shaky, dizzy, and then lost consciousness. And this is not a unique experience. Now, there's an emergency kit that's being put together that could make a big difference in this. And we'll get to that in a moment. But we're going to talk about Shane's situation right now with someone who is familiar with what was taking place. Alexandria Ratsky-Lewing is a manager of the Hypoglycemia Research Program at Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University, also a PhD candidate, and joins us on London Live. Alexandria, thanks for, for being here. Can you take us through what had happened to Shane? Well, in the case of Shane, uh, he experienced a severe hypoglycemia event, and in people with type 1 diabetes, severe hypoglycemia is an unavoidable reality. Uh, given the fact that they're taking insulin. But it's also an unavoidable reality for many people with type 2 diabetes uh, who are taking either insulin or another type of medication called insulin secretagogues. So what is actually happening when, when somebody goes into what Shane went into? So in Shane's case, he was experiencing severe hypoglycemia, and what that means is his blood sugar dipped to an extremely low level in his body. And in the case of severe hypoglycemia, what that means is a person is oftentimes unable to treat themselves with some form of glucose intake, but it can also start with a mild to moderate event. In this case, an individual is still able to self-treat, but they'll experience many symptoms. Uh, We refer to this as mild to moderate hypoglycemia. The symptoms can include sweating, shaking, nausea, confusion, weakness. But in Shane's case, because this event was left untreated, it progressed to a severe hypoglycemia event. And these can be extremely dangerous for people with diabetes. What can happen to someone if they go into an event like that? So in the case of severe hypoglycemia, which, to be clear, is a medical emergency, uh, we can see the same sort of symptoms that might be exhibited for a mild to moderate event, so those that I just mentioned. But also, it can result in unconsciousness, seizures, coma, and in rare instances, it can lead to death. Wow. So obviously something has to happen. Something has to happen fast. We are talking with Alexandria Ratsky-Lewing. She's a PhD candidate in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at Western University. But we're looking at something that happened to a Londoner, Shane McVitie, where he was out riding his bike. And next thing you know, he was not riding his bike anymore. And he was experiencing severe hypoglycemia. So how would someone walking by Shane identify that was what was going on. 
And and that's one of the difficulties. Without knowing that the person has diabetes, it can be extremely difficult to understand what is occurring in an individual who is experiencing severe hypoglycemia. It's very important for people with diabetes in this case to inform people, close friends, close family members, of their risk of hypoglycemia. And this is not just for people with type 1 taking insulin, but also for people with type 2 taking insulin and secretagogues. And oftentimes, people with type 2s, um, in clinical context, they're oftentimes a little more underappreciated in terms of their risks for hypoglycemia. In Shane's case, would he have been able to communicate what the issue was to anybody walking by to get help? In the event, you know, where you know he goes unconscious, I mean, obviously in that case, not going to be able to communicate that, um, which is why it's so important to be prepared. And this is something that uh, around hypoglycemia and the risk of hypoglycemia, uh, we really need to do better at helping people with diabetes uh, manage a preparedness plan where they can, for example, have strategies to communicate with their friends and family members about their risk in a way that can clearly articulate to these individuals what the problem is. In the case of severe hypoglycemia, in fact, the definition itself predicates on the idea that it is third-party assisted. That means that we recognize that for severe hypoglycemia, oftentimes it will result in unconsciousness whereby a treatment must be administered by somebody else. That is part and parcel of having a severe hypoglycemia is that it requires the assistance of another person to treat. And if another person is, is kind of happening by, is there anything that they can do other than call 911? Well, if the person happens, so if the individual with the severe event uh, is still able to take glucose by swallowing it, which is not always the case, then that individual may assist by administering uh, glucose. Um, however, uh, I would advise in those cases to call 911 uh, if you're unsure of what's going on, of course, in that case. And oftentimes, third, um, severe hypoglycemia does result in unconsciousness. Alexandria, yeah. let's, let's focus in on the, the preparedness for a second. We hear rescue plan used. What is actually a rescue plan? So this is a great uh, campaign that was started by Diabetes Canada in partnership with Eli Lilly. And what they've done is to help build capacity and empowerment among uh, people with uh, Canadians with diabetes and their caregivers who are involved in the, in the um, support of severe hypoglycemia. They've developed a rescue plan. And they've actually created a website called whatsyourrescueplan.ca. And here they've created a rescue plan template that I would urge people with diabetes and their caregivers to go and visit and check out. And there they can go and download a rescue plan. And what this rescue plan includes is a customizable format for you to initiate conversations amongst yourselves, so as people with diabetes and their their caregivers, and also to initiate conversations, uh, importantly, with their healthcare providers around what is involved in treating severe hypoglycemia, how can they prepare themselves to better treat their severe hypoglycemia and, their, and, and manage their risk of severe hypoglycemia and hypoglycemia in general. So I would really suggest that people go and visit this website and check it out. Uh, it's a fantastic initiative that's being put on by Diabetes Canada. Well, Alexandria, we can't thank you enough for bringing attention to this and describing what was going on that day and one of the reasons to have that that plan, that rescue plan ready. Have yourself a great day. Shane McVitie had passed out and Alexandria Ratsky-Lewing joining us.
to talk about how that could be addressed in future. Alexandria is the manager of the Hypoglycemia Research Program at Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University. Up next, somebody else who's making a difference in type 1 diabetes. You'll hear from Mark Woolley, who has just kicked off Woolley's Warriors. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. While we are on the topic of type 1 diabetes... I want to take you to something you'll be hearing more about. You'll hear the entire interview on an upcoming edition of our Around the OHL podcast. A brand new season kicks off in a couple of weeks. And Mark Woolley is going to be a part of that season. Mark is from the St. Thomas area and had started his career with the Guelph Storm in the OHL, was traded to the Owen Sound Attack this past year. We'll talk some hockey with him on Around the OHL, but we're also talking about... The Woolies Warriors program that he has kicked off. So along with Jake Jeffrey, we had a chance this summer to sit down with Mark and get the scoop on how Woolies Warriors began. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I've wanted to do uh, since I started in the league because um, it, it hits really close to home for me. But uh, Garrett was a great captain and a great role model off the ice, and he uh, he's had his McFadden's movement thing going, so he kind of showed me that uh, anything was possible and just kind of, I kind of watched him my first year and learned some tricks and stuff that I could potentially use uh, when I started my own thing. And well, and, and explain what this thing, this own thing is, because I mean, McFadden's movements, uh, more of the mental health side of things, a very, very important cause that your cause a little different. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's called Woolies Warriors, and it's a nonprofit foundation for... Uh, not athletes. It's it's uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be for athletes with type one diabetes, but it's at the same time it's everybody living with type one diabetes because, uh, like I said to you earlier, my older brother has had type one diabetes since he was born, and then uh, later on I got diagnosed when I was in about grade six. So it's it's something I've lived with uh, with my whole life, and not everybody really knows the the severity behind it. So I just kind of want to spread awareness for that. And then at the the same time, we're looking to raise funds to send young athletes to D-Camp potentially next summer. And, and I even look in the, at the NHL. I mean, Max Domi is an advocate for diabetes as well. Is that s- someone else you, you sort of get a little motivation from? Yeah, for sure. He's always been a, a big role model of mine that kind of shows me that, you know, don't let your diabetes define you is, mm-hmm. is something that he's kind of proven to me. And uh He's he's a great player in the NHL, right? So obviously it doesn't interfere with his game. Have you heard any sort of feedback, you know, any any young athletes or any parents of young children kind of come to you about this initiative? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm mostly on Twitter as of right now just because it's only been launched uh, for about a week or mm-hmm. and a half. So uh, I've had a couple parents uh, reach out to me saying that they're they're really proud of the initiative and uh, they're they're looking to get involved with it. Mark, take us through how it changes your life. You go through... The start of your life, and you do not know that you are diabetic. Then all of a sudden, you get diagnosed. How did that come about? Um, well, I think uh, I had the symptoms uh, for a little, a couple of days, probably. And like I said, my my brother's been diabetic since he was born, so my parents kind of knew the symptoms. And uh, we were driving to Stratford, uh, which is only about an hour, forty five minute drive for a game in minor minor hockey and I had to stop to go to the washroom probably three or four times in that, that amount of time. So my parents were like, something's up and we decided to test my blood with my brother's uh, kit when we got home and we uh, ended up going to the doctor right away after that and kind of got the diagnosis down. Two sons in the same family, type 1 diabetes. It's got to be a challenge. Can you 
Can you take us through some of the things that wouldn't necessarily happen on a day-to-day basis, but that you have to watch out for and be very careful with? Uh, two, two of the scariest probably moments in my life have happened uh, between the two of us. When uh, Probably about three years ago, when I was 14, 15, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night to an ambulance arriving at my house for uh, my older brother who was going into a diabetic coma. So basically what happened, his blood went low throughout the night and then he was unconscious, wouldn't wake up, uh, things like that. So they had to take him to the hospital and bring his blood sugars up. And then last season, uh, I came home for a weekend to celebrate my dad's 50th birthday and the same thing happened to me. I woke up in an ambulance at about four in the morning and yeah, that was, was definitely one of the scariest moments of my life. And uh, it really shows to you that you got to manage it properly. But no signs from either of you? Like, it's not like you were going to bed and thinking, you know, uh, I don't know, something, something's not right. It, it just happens? Yeah, I think uh, we, we probably could have taken a little better care of it with testing our blood maybe once more before we went to bed. But um, yeah, sometimes that stuff just hits you and, and there's, there's not much you can do. But um, yeah, I'm just... Just grateful everything uh, ended up going out positively. Well, and let's talk about your support system there as well, because I'm sure there's probably some parents listening here who have uh, diabetic children, and you know they're probably hearing these stories, and it's probably very familiar to them as well. It's yeah. so important to have that support system. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the support there is amazing. Even like you have your support through your family, right? But uh, in Owen Sound, uh, the training staff and all the coaches are they all understand what's going on. So. Uh, after that hap- that incident happened, I called Dale DeGray right away and told him that I was going to be late for practice yeah. the next day. And he was, he was very understanding of it, and he was just uh, glad I was okay. So. And, and now, how would your day-to-day sort of differ from, you know, one of your Owen Sound teammates? Um, I mean, if your kind of pregame naps are all the same, but you just got to be more mindful of what you intake? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's not a huge difference. It's just more the diet aspect. And then going into, uh, going into games, I have a little bit different routines. Like, I got to got to be monitoring my blood before games make sure I don't crash during a game or I'm not going up too high because that's the last thing you need to be to be missing shifts to to maintain that right so you do it kind of before the game and after the game rather than than during as much so yeah will there be times during the game in an intermission where you think I better test something here yeah definitely that's what I always test in between periods um but sometimes on the bench even I can notice it and in, in practice sometimes as well so uh my trainer, Andy Brown, he's really good with that. He always has uh, like a granola bar and a Gatorade, just quick little snacks like that to make sure I'm not missing too much. And when you're talking about your 16-year-old season in Guelph, you, you go away. This is such a new experience for you, but this is still something you need to be mindful of, right? And I'm sure the train staff in Guelph, just like an Owen Sound, kind of staying on top of you because you're a 16-year-old in a very new surrounding, very new situation, but this is something that, you know, needs to be cared for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they're they're always uh, double-checking with me to make sure I'm, I'm on top of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, my parents are as well, That's right? Because yeah. they're worried about their, their youngest kid moving away from home. And then on top of that, it has, has diabetes as well, right? So they're, uh, they're always checking in with me and making sure everything's going okay. A sneak preview of Around the OHL, the next season, which is about to get going. That is Mark Woolley, St. Thomas area native, playing for the Owen Sound Attack. And a guy starting up, Woolley's 
Warriors. Thanks to Mark Woolley. Thank you to all of our guests today. Thank you to London Mayor Ed Holder, to London North Center MP Peter Frangiscatos, to Alexandria Ratsky-Lewing of Western University, to Eric Lindros, to Stacey Ness from San Jose, and also a couple of people who are headed to Peru, Dave Wilsey, and also got a chance to speak earlier on in the program with a new world record holder, and that is Madison Wilson-Walker in the long jump, and she's off to the Parapan Games as well in Peru, and uh, we had a chance to talk with her. We're out of time. News is coming up next. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. You are listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.